So number two in the charts has to be uh, Moldova. Uh, Moldova, for anyone who doesn't know where that is, is a tiny little country sandwiched in between kind of Russia and the Ukraine, which obviously is a poor thing just now. But anyway, tiny little republic that used to be part of the USSR back in the day. And uh, it was a proper planes, trains and automobiles there, which involved kind of flying into Budapest, um, and then from there to Odessa in the Ukraine. And we then got a train from there into Moldova. And there's a, uh, this was 2004, by the way. So this was Bertie Vogt's last game in charge of Scotland. Uh, we were ex he was under a little bit of pressure anyway, and we were expected to beat them because they're not very good. And Scotland promptly drew one all <laughs> in true Scottish fashion. And he was, he, he actually came and stood with the supporters, um, but he was booed out of the shop. There was stories that people spat on him and stuff, but that was later disregarded as nonsense. That wasn't true, but it was, it was sad times. But the trip itself was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, you know, kind of one of my pals always said, you know, as we arrived there, he said, uh, wind your watches forward now, gentlemen, and your calendars back a hundred years. <laughs> It really was like a step back in time uh, to, to these places. And part of that journey, you know, we stopped in a breakaway republic. Uh, you know you know the team Sheriff that have been doing really well in the, the Champions League, uh, right? So they're based in a city called Tiraspol, which is technically part of Moldova, but it's in a breakaway region called Trabzonista, And they all still believe they're kind of part of the USSR and Mother Russia, they've got the hammer and sickle on the hats and stuff. And uh, the train stopped there, and that was where the game was originally meant to be. So stopped there. This armed guard got on, and I mean armed with a kind of Kalashnikov. And we're like, holy moly, what does he want? And he's kind of speaking to us, and we're like, don't know, don't know. And he kind of, we show him our passports, and he kind of looks, and he kind of points at us and tells us to get up, and we go to grab our bags. He's like, no, no. We're like... Oh no. So the three of us get off and he takes us out off the train and we're thinking, oh no. And he walks into this little room off the side and the room's full of guns kind of round on the racks and stuff. And we're like looking at each other going, oh my God. And he's looking at us, two guys in kilts and the other one just kind of wearing breeks and a hat. And we're kind of looking at each other. We're thinking, it's been nice knowing you. <laughs> the guy looks at us and he kind of, looks at us and he goes, money, money. And we're like, okay. So he's wanting some money. And he goes, uh, dollar, dollar. And we're like, no, no, no dollars, mate. Sorry, no dollars. Euro, euro. And we're like, sorry, mate, no euros, no euros. So we go, we, we pull our uh, cash out, out and we say, Moldovan money. And he just kind of slaps his hand against his head and goes, no. Uh, basically, Moldovan money is absolutely worthless. You know, right. you could pick a stone off the ground and it's worth more than Moldovan bang. <laughs> so all he did in the end was take the Moldovan money, which equated to about, you know, 73 pence, and uh, produced a cigarette pack out of his pocket and pulled out what was a little piece of paper and... Uh, on it, he wrote something in kind of 
Russian or Moldovan or whatever it was, thingied it and gave it to us and put it in our passport. And on one side, it turns out it's the Transdenister flag. And he'd written, and basically I worked out a few years later from somebody that spoke Russian, and he said it just say, fee paid to pass. And uh, I, st I, I stapled this thing into my old passport. Now, Transdenister is not a recognised region by any other country. So when I had this passport up until a, couple, a few years ago, uh, you'd go into countries and they'd look at this one and people would be like, what the hell is this? <laughs> uh, again, an absolutely phenomenal trip. Another great trip ruined by 90 minutes of crap football, mate. But there you go. And look, number one has to be where it all began. Uh, well, oh no, this is a tough one. Look, there's so many to mention. Uh, Kazakhstan three years ago was absolutely sensational as well. I ate horse, mate. That's that's one of their that's one of their uh, main you know dishes delicacies is uh, you know fried fried horse. So I tried it. I'm not going to tell you I enjoyed it, and I'm not going to tell you I finished it, but I definitely tried it, mate. <laughs> but again, a stunning country with lovely people, unbelievable architecture, and they kind of give you the view that it's a real free and open country. But behind it, there is a bit of a dictatorship, but they kind of seem to be looking to the future. And uh, again, the people make it. A group of us walked into this bar around the corner from our hotel. Now, you walked one, one street back. Yeah, when we landed, the capital city, when we left Edinburgh to travel via to uh, Venice, Moscow, and then to, uh, then to Kazakhstan, the, the capital city was called Astana. By the time we arrived in Astana, they'd renamed it after their current president who'd been in charge of the country for like 30 years. And it was called Nur Sultan, which was the guy's first name. So they'd renamed it from the time we'd left Glasgow to the time we got there. Anyway, mad stuff. We walked to this bar. You walked one street back from the hotel. And it was like walking again. You were walking from a lovely part to all of a sudden, you know, the house looked a bit dingy and stuff. And we walked into this little bar, and I kid you not, all the furniture was made out of old pallets. It was just old pallets chopped together. And uh, we walked into this bar, and the guy was like, oh, hello. You know, he was like, hello, he was great, welcome. Sit down, sit down. And of course, like we go to every country, we speak the international language of drink. So we go up to the bar and we go, uh, six beer, uh, uh, one vodka. But in Kazakhstan, and probably most likely Russia, they, they sell vodka by the 50 CL bottle. So you go with that and, you know, we're, we're sitting there. We sat in this bar for hours, seven, seven, eight of us, just ordering up pints, 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 vodkas, vodkas, coke. The guy was brilliant and he would just wait and he, he, he wanted paid at the end. So we went up and paid and we handed over a wad of cash, which... To him, looked like a load of money, but to us, honestly, nothing. For all these drinks we'd bought for hours and hours, it came to the equivalent of 25 quid. And we were like, this is unbelievable. And the guy was like, he was trying to give us change, and we were like, no, 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 there you go, mate. 
you keep the change. And he was so grateful. And him and he, they were all wanting, him and the locals all wanted photos with us because we're all kilted up and mad. Uh, and it's the only place I've been where it was minus 22 while we were there. Holy shit. <laughs> it was freezing and the game was played in an indoor arena in Astana. But it was, it was stunning, beautiful. Uh, I'd really like to go back there at some stage and see more of it because it's a vast, vast country. So that was great. But uh, mentions, uh, honourable mentions go to uh, Serbia, to where else? Slovenia's beautiful country. Um, where else? You know, I went to Moscow and I know things aren't great with Russia just now. Again, phenomenal trip and what a stunning place. Uh, you know, I feel really privileged to get to all these places and it's it's uh, it's a lot of fun uh, and I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy it, Ryan. Never gets old going somewhere new. Just like when I'm going on, on Monday, I'm going to be to Poland. I have been to Poland before and I have been to Krakow before, but I'm certain I'll find new things about it when I get there. Yeah, for sure. I think a lot of these countries are places that people wouldn't necessarily ever go on a so-called like holiday but when you're going away for a football game you're almost like you're almost forced to go and see what's happening and find these bars find these restaurants and just see what's going on and it's just a culture shock yeah well that's it and I think I mentioned as well Albania earlier again another place people kind of have this perception oh it's run by the mafia gangs all that stuff again beautiful country lovely people and they told us while we were there. Now, we were there in November, so it didn't exactly work four, four years ago. But they said, look, come back with your family. Go to the beaches. Stunning, because it's on the coast. You can get a, a boat to Corfu and a boat to Greece, you know, Cyprus, that sort of thing. It's, it's not easy, so you could go. And it's so cheap. So I would highly recommend these places. If you fancy a bit of proper, you know, Lonely Planet guide travelling, then... Uh, Johnny Smith can recommend plenty of options. <laughs> Unreal. Um, so I know we've obviously went through a couple of different little stories, but have you got any particular story from a trip abroad um, or a trip with the Tartan Army that you think people will find quite interesting? I'm sure you've got a few. <laughs> so, look, yeah, definitely. So... <laughs> I, I, um, yeah, so the Moldova trip in 2004, on our way back, myself, my friends, David Aitken, Ewan Forsyth and David Jardin, we, uh, we had one night on the way home back in Budapest, and we're like, what are we going to do today? My pal David Aitken says, today's going to be an alcohol-free day. And I was like, all oh, right, okay. And the other two guys are like, right, okay. Girl comes round, the waitress comes round and says, hey, what would you like to drink? Ewan says, Diet Coke. David Jardin says, Coke. David Aitken says, eh, can I get a carafe of red wine, please? I said, what happened to your alcohol free day? And he's like, ah, oh, I changed my mind. <laughs> so myself and him started drinking. While we're sitting there drinking, we discover from some, somebody sitting at another table, there was a local football match going on that day. Uh, the the uh, MTK are a team in Budapest, so MTK. Their original stadium was where uh, Escape to Victory was was uh, filmed. The game that was played there was played at their original uh, stadium. 
So that was the stadium we went to and we discovered we were going to go to that game. So we'd had a few more beers. We had a couple of drinks with Ewan and David. We did a bus talk, open bus talk tour as well in Budapest before the game. So myself and David got to the game in Budapest and they gave us, they, they were like looking at us as if to say, where are you people come from? Kill it up. And we went wandered into this game and they were playing a team called Gyros, Gyros as it were. And uh, walked into the game and they let us bring our carry out of beer into the game. And after, you know, during the game, it was thoroughly enjoyable, good laugh. The, the young team, the ultras were having a good time and causing a bit of mayhem, but it was fun. And uh, they kind of latched on to us as a couple of out-of-towners. And they said, oh, come come with us. And they showed us around the ground after the game, uh, which MTK won one nil. And uh, they showed us around the ground. And while we were doing that, we were int- interviewed by Hungarian TV. Uh, and I have trolled through YouTube, but I cannot find the footage anywhere. So they've clearly not uploaded it to uh, any site, sadly. But I have absolutely no recollection of what was said. Um, afterwards, the young team suggested that we go into town with them. But I said, look, we'll better go back and find the other guys. David Aiken said, I'm going to go with these guys. I'm going to go with these guys. So I said, right, see you later. Well, he came home in the most ridiculous chip at about four o'clock in the morning. No idea where he'd been seen. I've never seen a man in such a terrible, terrible state. And all I'm going to tell you is, and I can't really lay out the bare details, all I'll say to you is, Spud waking up in his girlfriend's house in train spotting. That's all I'll tell you. I think you know where I'm coming from on that. But it was just mental. Myself and my mate had to get up at six o'clock in the morning to go for a flight. And it was just carnage. The flat was carnage. And the guy, David, had come in in the most appalling chip. But that's sometimes, I'm not going to lie, that sometimes happens. And I have been in that sort of terrible chip in the past. I bet you have. <laughs> I, I have also uh, found myself... Uh, I have been found sleeping under road signs in Ukraine uh, in a bit of a terrible chip. I'd maybe a bit worse for wear. Look, I've told people this before, and back in the day that used to be my tagline, but not anymore since I'm such a fit guy these days, uh, Ryan. But I've said to folk, I've slept in all the best bars and nightclubs all across the world. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's an interesting (laughs) tagline. But no, good good times uh, in these places. And it's amazing how, you know, meeting the locals and they'll show you to different bars. You don't just stick to the usual. You can go to these places and stick to an Irish bar or something. That's just safe. You want to see how it is in these countries and what they're doing. So, no, it's oh, just amazing. a lot I of think fun. One of my favourite ones, and I don't need you to expand on it unless you, unless you want to, but one of my favourite ones was the story about you delivering a talk in the Ukraine. That was a, oh, no. that was a sensational one. <laughs> so yeah, that was that was that was a favourite. So we'd uh, we'd been in Kiev to see Scotland play the Ukraine, and we'd lost two 0 and the next day, we'd obviously had a good few drinks and disappointment more than anything. And the next morning, we jumped on a train with our carry out, and it was taking us on the longest train journey I've ever been on, Ryan, ten and a half hours. And uh, ten and a half hours, 
and uh, we arrived in a place called uh, Lviv, which is really close to the Polish border. Shushle. Okay, see you in a minute, son. Sorry, Ryan. And uh, we um, we arrived in this town. We went out for loads of beers, and but we'd had a fair old day at it already. And uh, I was a bit worse for wear, so I went to my bed early, and uh, the guys had gone out for the night. So I woke up the next day a bit fresher, and I was kind of looking around, and my mates had come back, they were still absolutely KO'd. So I was like, right, I'm getting up, going for a look. So I get up, put my kilt on, back up, and I'm like, right, let's go and see what's going on. And uh, I go out, and there's a market in the street going on. So I buy an apple, and the kind of locals are all staring at me a little bit. And all of a sudden, this girl kind of pops behind me and starts going, rah, 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 in Ukrainian. And I'm like, what are you saying? And I said, sorry, I really don't know what you're saying. She goes, you are not Ukrainian? And I went, no, I'm not. She goes, where are you from? I said, oh, I'm from Scotland. Right, this is my Scottish outfit. You know, this is my national dress. And uh, she said, oh, we, we, me and my friends, we go to college and we are learning English. Could, could you come to our college with us? And I said, well, yeah, if you want. And I was like, I was probably still reeking of booze as well from the night before, but I was like, yeah, no problem. So these girls, it was about five or six of them, absolutely gorgeous, stunning young ladies, uh, took me to their college class and introduced me to their class lecturer and then they asked me to give them a talk about Scotland. <laughs> so for 20 minutes, 20, 25 minutes, I basically blagged my way through a kind of potted history of Scotland. Um, <laughs> honestly, I couldn't tell you what I said. <laughs> and I told them to disregard Braveheart. I do remember that. I said, look, as fun a movie as Braveheart is, it's a load of nonsense, so don't believe that. But... This is what we do. This is what we can do in our country. And they loved it. They thought it was great. I've still got photographs of the classes that were there. And they enjoyed it so much that their teacher told her fellow lecturer, who asked me to go and give a, a, a talk to their class as well. So I ended up giving two talks to the class. So the girls were like, oh, brilliant. Thanks. And I was like, no problem. I never got any of their names or addresses at all, nothing like that, because they did ask me, the one question that they did ask me at the time was, are you married? <laughs> one of the girls asked me, are you married? So I had to think about it, because that was uh, uh, a long time ago, let's say, and uh, 2006, and, uh, but unbelievable. So when I walked back to the hotel and went back into the room, the guy said, where the hell have you been? I said, well, you're not going to believe this. <laughs> <laughs> it was brilliant. It was just one of those, one of those things, Ryan. <laughs> no, you couldn't write it. You definitely couldn't write it. No, you definitely could not. But no, mate, time. that's um that's a, a amazing stories. I'm sure you could we could go on and on. Um, but just to wrap up, I think we'll keep it a little bit more fitness focused again. What What's next for you? What's next in the gym? What's next for you in life? Um, future plans? Look, uh, future plans from a business perspective, I just want to keep the business going as well as it is going. Uh, I have got plans for uh, in the future for a wee bit of expansion. 
wouldn't be a bad idea. Um, I've got plans to build a big new warehouse uh, near my current store in Forfar, which is good. So I just want to keep the business growing um, as much as I can. And from a gym perspective, um, like you said, I'm progressing. I've always, you know, I always kind of, I've always had the goal. And actually, I was going to pull you up a bit. I've not done a deadlift for ages. Deadlift's probably one of my favourite ones. And I want to be able to deadlift 200 kgs. And I know I'm getting closer. I'm, into, I'm getting closer. Sure. So 200 still there as my as my thing. But I don't know. I, I don't want to say the sky's the limit, but there'll be, if I can just keep going at the pace I'm going and keep progressing and pushing on and bringing a few PBs to the table, then I'll just be absolutely delighted. And I think probably the next thing I want to do is, as well as doing my two sessions with you, I think I may need to be adding maybe a session myself where I go and, you know, a bit of the confidence to do it myself and get on with it, just like Wendy's doing. So I think that that's a big thing for me too. So, yeah, we'll see. Just keep enjoying it, mate. Keep yeah. enjoying life. Keep smiling. Because <laughs> we're here for, a good, here for a good time, not for a long time, Ryan. Exactly. Exactly. We'll get that 200. We'll get that dusted off by the end of the year. Um, and unfortunately, someone was camped out on the on the deadlift platform um, with a wee tent and a stove and that today. So we weren't getting on there any anytime soon. Um, but no, mate, thank you for taking the time to jump on the podcast. I'm sure a lot of people will enjoy hearing your stories. Um, thank you once again, Johnny. Really enjoyed it, Ryan. Thanks. Cheers, everyone. <laughs>